welcome to the Managing the Smart Mind podcast with your host, Coach Kramer. This is episode 53, Finding Smart Friends. Hello, smart human. Are you happy with your circle of friends? Is there room for more fun people in your life? If it's the latter, as it probably is for 90% of smart humans, sadly, then this podcast is for you. I am going to talk about why navigating friendships and finding friends is different for smart humans, about the things that can trip you up when trying to meet new people as well as maintain friendships. And I'm going to talk about the smart friendship pyramid that you need to start building if you want more fun people in your life. And just to qualify that, fun to me also means you sit in the same room whilst, you know, reading different volumes of the dictionary, right? (laughs) All depends on your idea of fun. But first, let me give you an idea of what friendship looks like for me personally, because I think it's quite a bit different from the mainstream concept. And it took me a couple of years say decades, to accept that and to embrace that. So as you may know, if you're a regular listener, I need a lot of alone time. And I also have a family and a business to run. Not to mention that I like to travel, spend plenty of hours every week walking, reading all kinds of books. And then there's also the autism, which isn't conducive to getting out and meeting with lots of people either. So When it comes to, quote unquote, hanging out with friends, I don't have a lot of time or headspace or even the inclination to do that. Does that mean I have no friends? No, it just means that I am super selective about who I play with and that I also have a lot of friends all over the world that I mostly connect with virtually. I am telling you this to normalize these types of friendships. And by the way, if you're a parent of a smart child, to normalize it for your children, right? Many of us don't need a kind of socialization that some parents think is normal and desirable. We don't need to be popular. We don't need to have 20 friends. In fact, it's our, like, it's our worst nightmare, right? To have, have to hang out with like a group of friends. I'll give you some examples of what this looks like for me. I have a wonderful friend who I've known for years, loved dearly, lives only a mile away from me. And I only see her once or twice or maybe three times a year. I have a incredibly dear friend who lives in the UK, who is in, so inspiring um, and whom I've never even met in real life. Yet I trust her with mine. I have the most amazing peer friend in Iceland who I've only seen once and we catch up regularly to talk about our businesses and, you know, how to make them even better and bigger and all that. And of course, lots of other things. And then I also have a super fun, smart friend here in Rotterdam who enjoys reading fiction and then talking about it with a nice glass of wine, some great food as much as I do. And we meet around once every six weeks. Now, there are many more amazing people in my life. But no such thing as a BFF or group of friends or someone I share 
all my crazy interests with. I mean, that's just impossible, right? That intersection of Venn diagrams is just empty. And let's just be honest, most of my quote-unquote friendships wouldn't be considered real or legit by the mainstream or, you know, if you will, my mum, right? But they are perfect for me and they work with my brain and how I've organised my life. And I guess it also works for my friends because otherwise we wouldn't still be talking. And trust me, there are people who are no longer talking to me too. And that's okay. So friendships are different for smart humans. And there's many reasons. Here's a list which is by no means complete. Smart humans can, for example, get bored very quickly. They can come across as intense or hypersensitive. They can be a tad impatient. They can go too fast for other people or way too deep. And add to that the fact that they usually need a lot more alone time. You can check out episode 19 for more on this. And you'll see that it's going to be a bit harder than average, maybe, to find friends. And then if you're smart, people may also be intimidated by you or jealous or both, right? You may even be very successful in your field and not sure whether people are a fan or a true friend. Or people may be afraid to even approach you because they are so in awe of you. And then on the flip side, you as a smart human may have had bad experiences with other people, for example, being bullied or teased, which may make you hesitate about even bothering to find and make friends and to open up with other people. And I think one of the hardest thing for more quote-unquote normal people can be actually coming to terms with the fact that though you may really like or even love them, you are usually completely fine on your own. right? You don't need them. And that also makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Now, smart humans can be held back by a lot of smart people problems when it comes to friendships, right? And what used to trip me up a lot when it came came to this was lots of black and white thinking. And if that term is new to you, check out episode 12 and 13, because this is a big thing for a lot of smart humans. Either someone met my incredibly high standards for the full 100% or they were a completely useless friend, actually a foe, right? There is zero middle ground in my mind. And this is, of course, insane and unworkable. I am not a 100% perfect friend either. Such a thing doesn't even exist. Now, people who are accustomed to a lot of black and white thinking tend to put people on pedestals, which makes it even harder for those people to live up to their expectations. And then there's the perfectionism, more on that in episode 34, which makes all these interactions incredibly tense and anxiety inducing. It's like you're constantly testing like, oh, is this person going to be uh, living up to my expectations, right? Is this situation going to be amazing? Is this date going to be 100% awesome? And I honestly used to get very upset when my dates with either my partner or friends didn't go completely according to plan. And I don't just mean in an autistic stick to the schedule kind of way. I would be devastated, for example, if a waiter would accidentally knock over a glass of water, right? And sort of, (laughs) there'd be a moment someone get 
wet, it'll be awkwardness that would shatter my perfectionist fantasy of what this moment should look like this evening or whatever it was. And it was very hard for me to enjoy the rest of the date after something like that happened, right? It's like something's broken and it can never be okay again. So if that's you, check out perfectionism and black and white thinking, because it doesn't need to be this way. And still on the topic of high expectations, but in a completely different arena, smart people's heightened sense of justice and fairness also doesn't help in lowering the bar, right? We're, we tend to be obsessed with things being fair. Not everybody has the same thoughts about that. That doesn't mean they can't be our friend. Okay, so black and white thinking, perfectionism, maybe being perceived as scary, um, all these things interfere with our friend making, but there's more. Smart people often have what are called special interests, which, by the way, I think is a ridiculous term, but that's another discussion for another time, right? Special needs, special interests, what the hell? Okay, basically, this is like me saying, hey, do you feel like talking about Lego or Emily Dickinson's poetry or, I don't know, different varieties of moss for an hour or two? That's basically, I think, what is meant by special interest. It's just that you go deep on topics that not many people in this world are completely fascinated by. There can also be a lack of common cultural references. This is actually also often the case for me because I haven't actually watched TV since age 17. That's a long time ago, people. Actually, I only found out who Bruce Springsteen was in my 40s. So <laughs> there's a lot of shit people will refer to and I'll just be like, um, I'm not sure what this is about. And sometimes that's fun, sometimes not so much. Now, add to that social anxiety, the rejection sensitivity that can often come with ADHD, just social awkwardness, hello, being highly sensitive to sound, sense, etc., and having an extreme sense and need for fairness and justice, as I mentioned above. And you will by now understand why finding and keeping friends tends to be harder for us smart humans. And in all honesty, I have thought many a time when I was engaging in a social activity that I found incredibly boring, something like, I could have been reading a book right now, right? And you've probably thought the same. And this leads me to another reason why smart humans have trouble with friendships. People pleasing. And you can learn more on this in episode three. Now, many of us have become people pleasers as a coping strategy, which means that we end up in situations we really don't want to be in. Like an eight-course dinner with, I don't know, our in-laws, whatever it is for you simply because we're trying to please someone else to be safe, right? And then we not, not only do we get to waste a lot of our precious time, we also often get disappointed when those other people don't reciprocate. Now, that may not be the case with your in-laws, but let's say a friend asks you to come to a thing, which for you is utterly boring, and then you want them to come to your thing, which maybe they think is utterly boring, and they say, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Because Listen, not everybody else uses people-pleasing as a coping strategy, which is probably a good thing, right? And then you could think, oh my God, they're not my friend. No, they're just not pleasing you, which is different. 
So biggest hurdles to finding and keeping new friends, perfectionism, impossible standards, both as a selection criterion, as well as when like constantly evaluating the friendship. Lots of black and white thinking, like if you're my friend, you can't or you won't or you shouldn't. And feeling unsafe, insecure in a lot of social situations. Um, All the people pleasing. And even though this may seem like a great strategy to your brain, isn't that how people make friends? This will only get you to completely exhaust yourself and hate people rather than befriend them. And of course, there's simply not being a lot of people who are interested in the same things as you are and who are not intimidated by you. Yet, it is totally possible to have a lot of friends as a smart human. How? You build a pyramid. How fun. You build the smart friendship pyramid. Because one of the biggest thought errors I see smart people make is heaping every potential friend in the same bucket, the bucket of perfect friend, right? This kind of soulmate, which then often turns out to be a poor fit. They do not live up to your expectation. You're massively disappointed and then you chuck them out of your life. Not so nice. So I want you to start thinking about friendship in different levels of intensity or in pyramid terms elevation, right? And at the bottom of the pyramid, we have what I call play partners, people who want to do the same thing as you and don't need much else. Now, these could be people you literally play with, whether tennis or board games or whatever games take your fancy. But more generally speaking, these are the humans who enjoy the same activities as you do. Going to the movies, working in the garden, open water swimming, making music or going to concerts, knitting, or maybe simply visiting bookstores together and then sitting down together to read. And there is zero need for your play partners, right, the bottom level of the pyramid, to be very similar to you. In fact, it can be a lot of fun if they aren't. You might actually learn a thing or two, right? They can be a completely different age, socioeconomic status, not be as smart as you, be a dog person where you prefer cats, and you can still have a wonderful time together as long as you don't expect and demand more than that, and neither does your playmate, right? And this is also how deeper friendships often start. You pursue an interest and then meet someone else who's also obsessed with, let's say, feminist crocheting, and you hit it off and become fast friends. But it's not at all necessary. You can just keep enjoying your shared activity, right? Your friend does not need to be quote-unquote promoted to the next level. You can just keep doing this and not see each other outside of that bubble or container. Then there's the next, the second level of the pyramid, someone you like to chat with and who likes to chat with you, who is maybe interested in similar things. Let's call them your chat chum. You can have a whole bunch of these around lots of different topics, work, special interests, life, philosophy, etc., etc., There will probably be some things you also enjoy doing together because you're interested in similar things. And there are things you enjoy talking about and sharing. So fun. Chat chumps. Then we get to the third level, and that's the level of intimacy and empathy. And that's kind of the feeling, friends. These are the people you share stuff with that you deeply care about and who reciprocate, right? They care about you and your experiences, thoughts and feelings, and you care about theirs. You support and encourage each other. 
And then there's the fourth and final level, the top of the pyramid, what is sometimes termed the sure shelter. And this is someone you trust to always have your back, someone that you can call in the middle of the night if shit happens, someone you know is always there for you, right? And here's the thing. Most people will only tick one or two of these boxes, right? Will fit in sort of the first or the second layer. And they may be super fun to talk to, but not so much to hang out with or to share your deepest feelings with. And by the way, vice versa, right? For them. And that's okay, right? This is where you as a smart human have to manage your expectations. Don't demand from someone you have just met at a woodworking workshop to tick all the four boxes. Be open to it, be curious for sure. But for now, simply be delighted that you have found a new friend to practice woodworking with and to discuss all things woodworking. Maybe even that would be level two, but still. (laughs) But don't expect them to listen to you pontificating on the dire state of primary schools or to come pick you up when your car has run out of petrol or to encourage you and cheer you on in your business or career. They may, and that's super fun, but they also may not. And that is not a problem. It doesn't disqualify them from being your friend. Okay, so if you're a smart human who wants more friends, you're probably thinking by now, okay, Elsa, this is all very well, but how the hell do you meet more interesting people? And I promise, I promise I'll get to that. But first, first, you'll have to let go of your crazy high expectations. Okay? Okay. And second, you'll have to accept that you'll have to work a bit harder to find people you like, because you probably have a rather exclusive taste, right? Not everybody's going to be your friend, and that's okay. Okay, so this is what you can do. You can go to places, join clubs, you know, find spaces that tend to attract an above average number of smart people. And you can think about this in all areas of your life, right? Career, business, sports, nature, games, creativity, travel, all the things. What things do you enjoy that historically, and by historically, I mean (laughs) over the past 10 years, maybe, a lot of smart people have enjoyed, right? Then go find a group doing that or meeting up around that or gathering around that because you're just raising the odds, right? Or start your own group. It's even better. Also, do not give up after your first attempt. Don't immediately decide, sometimes people do this even ahead of time, that everybody else here obviously is very stupid or uninteresting or that if they haven't asked you for your WhatsApp number, they must not be interested. Please realize that some very smart people, super fun people like me, are shy or socially inept or just completely overwhelmed a lot of the time or a combination of all of the above. So if you think someone would be a super fun friend, give it a couple of tries right, to get to meet up with them for a first cup of coffee or a play date. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And Second, when they do that first thing that doesn't meet your expectations, that quote-unquote disappoints you, check in with yourself. Is it really that bad? And are you the perfect friend? And then, but only then, decide whether you need to reevaluate the friendship. 
But before you start hunting for friends, I want you to do something else. I want you to get clear on all the underlying beliefs and rules you have around friendships. Write them all down. Get them on paper. And these could include things like friends never talk about friends behind their back, which, by the way, for me is non-negotiable, but feel free to decide otherwise. Friends always want to hang out with each other. Friends never forget birthdays, which, by the way, would preclude me from being your friend. Sorry, not sorry. And friends should message me back within 12 hours. You get the picture right. Um, friends should, friends don't, friends blah, blah, blah. Get out all your rules, all your beliefs. Get honest with yourself and make that list. And then take a good, honest look at it. Are all of these necessary? Is there even a human being on the planet Earth that meets all these criteria? And also, do they apply to everyone you want to meet in your life? Or do you want to keep some for just the top level of the friendship pyramid? And if so, which ones are you happy to let go of in your quest for more friends? So make that list and create some room and flexibility in the way you consider the whole concept of friendship. And then go find some new fun friends, whether virtually or in real life. Have a fabulous friend filled, if you want, and solitary, if you prefer, week. Bye-bye. Hey, smart human probably listening to this podcast because you want to learn how to manage that smart mind of yours. And the first step is actually getting your bearings, doing a little brain audit. And I have the perfect tool for that, the Mapping Your Unique Brain Workbook. And you can actually download it for free at www.coachkramer.org slash brain map. So that's coachkramer.org slash brain map. Go check it out and play with it and take your first step to managing your smart mind. Mm-hmm.